It's time to check in with Doc Rob and the concierge for better living. We take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. The Concierge for Better Living will help informed, intrigued, and interested listeners like you make better choices for yourselves and your loved ones. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents The Concierge for Better Living with your host, Doc Rob. Hello and good day. This is Doc Rob, your Concierge for Better Living here at Cannabis Radio. So happy to be with you today. This is a wonderful episode coming on, so thanks for joining us wherever you're tuning in from. As always, thank you to Canvas Radio for letting this show happen. Here at Concierge for Better Living, we're trying to work together, have great conversations so we have a better today than yesterday, and hopefully work together for a better tomorrow than today. And I know we're going to get some great insight today from our guest. Dr. Jan Roberts joins us from New York. Dr. Jan, thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome on the show. Thanks so much for having me, Rob. I'm really excited to be here. So I'm going to dive right in because this is how we do it, New York style, quick, right to the, right to the, you know, to the blunt of it. Dr. Jan, you're in the cannabis world in New York City uh, in a lot of different ways. I, I think it's amazing. New York is, is on the verge of becoming a new cannabis mecca, um, but we want to do it responsibly. I think that's the number one thing. And, and I've been in the cannabis space for quite a while, growing up in New York, even before I knew what <laughs> cannabis was. Uh, it was around me growing up about 10 minutes from where Woodstock happened in the Catskills. Yeah. And, um, but now we're going mainstream. I was actually in New York a couple of weeks ago visiting and I got outside of my car and I smelled cannabis. <laughs> and for the first time I was like, wait, it's legal. In the yeah. state to smell cat. I mean, that's just a game changer, first and foremost. So. It is a game changer. It's so bizarre. Anywhere that you can actually smoke a cigarette, you can smoke cannabis legally. And it's wow. it's quite an interesting shift of events, right? <laughs> Rapidly shifting events. And yeah. so what that brings into is okay, how is the state going to manage this? How are we going to uh, control it in a safe and responsible way. There has been a medical program in the state already. This We're talking about mm. adult use being legalized earlier this year, but there has been a medical program, whether maybe not the most prolific one, um, but still has existed with about 10 licensed yeah. growers in the state and medical programs. How did you get involved with cannabis in New York? And, and give us a little background on what you're up to, because there's so many cool things you're doing. Yeah. So again, I'm so happy to be here to talk about this, because I think this is so important for us to really do a deep dive into the nuances of cannabis. So I actually got into cannabis many years ago when... Um, I had had shingles in my face. And sometimes I'll show in my presentation this picture with my face completely swollen, you know, the eyes shut, and, and it was horrible. And the only thing that really helped me was cannabis. And um, it was such an eye-opening experience to me because I had always considered it recreational. You know, this was before medical uh, laws were really starting to pick up steam. I had this bias, frankly, that, you know, the medical is just, you know, we're just opening it up just for recreational. And while I absolutely believe in um, legalizing cannabis and getting rid of federal prohibition, it was just always the, the, the um, approach that I had. I, I just assumed that it was um, just kind of, I hate to call it gateway, but gateway to legalization. But anyway, um, I got into this because of my own personal experience and starting to understand the therapeutic value of cannabis. And I uh, was living in Delaware at the time and was kind of working here in New York part-time. And 
I was even on, I was the governor's appointee to uh, the Delaware Medical Advisory or Medical Marijuana Advisory Board. That's what they call it there. And really just kind of fell in love with the science, with the stigma, with breaking, you know, kind of these assumptions we have about cannabis users and really starting to understand this therapeutic impact and this endocannabinoid system that exists. And it, I'm such a geek. I can't help it. I just totally did a deep dive. I had this huge practice uh, in Delaware. We saw like 20,000 patients a year. And frankly, I kind of started walking away from all of that because of the lure of cannabis and not so much the money around the cannabis industry, but just the important issues that need to be addressed here, whether it's, you know, policy issues and social justice, but more importantly, this health impact on people. And how can we use cannabinoids to kind of create this best life for ourselves? And can you, you know, is a question I've always had. Um, So I, I kind of long story short, um, Really uh, started to do deep diving into this, started to do research into this, uh, understanding and and trying to acknowledge the stigmas that are there, especially in my profession as a mental health therapist. We tend to look at any kind of use of cannabis from a pathological lens. Uh, Teach at NYU, started to do research there, got funded to look at Uh, Well, first the pilot project, and then we were funded through the seed grant to look at clinicians' knowledge and attitudes around cannabis, looking at what are the stigmas that exist, what helped clinicians make a decision to make a referral or um, to suggest it to their clients or educate their clients on it. And there was such a disparity. And I... I I couldn't help but to keep focusing on this because it's so important. And now, you know, in New York, I am a practicing clinician, have a really nice private practice, still teach at NYU. But we launched um, a few business partners and I launched the Cannabinoid Institute this past year. And really, our goal is to address the deficits that came out of my research to educate clinicians, to really kind of destigmatize this medicine because it is a medicine. Whether it's in a rec state or a medical state, people use it for therapeutic reasons. And we need to own that and we need to help them understand how they can use this and minimize potential risk because there are some potential risks there, as with everything, right? Everything, yep. yep. It's like if I go eat McDonald's all the time, I'm going to get fatter and I'm going to have heart disease probably (laughs) and I'm going to have all these other issues that aren't really in line with health. And so we just need to teach people how to use this in a great way. I, I, you're, that's awesome. I mean, education has been my foundation. I think it's so important to really have that uh, be a core aspect of yours. And what I, you know, I want people to listen is you have a, a, a clinician, clinical background and, and a lot of it in mental health. And I think it's yep. really important. People have to understand that there's a always a mind body connection here. And a lot of people use cannabis for pain or they're looking to treat certain conditions, but the, the, the mental health aspect of it to me is, is often overlooked or forgotten. Um, yeah. And, and there's and there's pros and cons. I'm just putting together a paper right now, and I'm really addressing psychedelics and and separating psychoactivity from psychedelic activity. And I want and people are like, what does that mean? I'm like, well, chocolate, coffee, these are psychoactive. Okay, mm-hmm. Psychedel- So those little nuances, just in in, in yeah. terms and definitions and nomenclature, even to medical professionals, need to be Make reminded that this is that there are many 
plants, a lot of substances that are maybe psychoactive and different parts of cannabis may be psychoactive or psychedelic. We have to understand their nuances and where they play and how they can be used beneficially. And also, as you said, where some of those safety concerns or mm-hmm. contraindications or just awareness of, 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 of wellness come into play. Well, I'm so glad you mentioned this mind-body connection because frankly, as a mental health clinician, I really feel very strongly that we do a disservice to our patients when we don't recognize this connection that exists. The mind does not separate itself from the body. Everything is a feedback loop and we need to acknowledge that. But I truly believe that the endocannabinoid system is the gateway. It does bridge the mind-body connection. And it's such a fascinating physiological system that really impacts our central nervous system functions. It impacts our hormonal functions. It impacts pretty much everything you can imagine. And when we talk about anxiety, when we talk about depression, when we even talk about trauma and, and all these other things that are going on, we have to own the fact that you know, all those neurotransmitters that are being released that impact the mood are actually directly influenced by the endocannabinoid system. So we need to really start to understand, and this is kind of my frustration around education is that, you know, patients know this, some of us clinicians know this, but the educators don't want to touch it. And it's incredibly concerning. I think, um, you know, one of my friends would probably freak out if he heard me say this, but I really do believe we're almost like creating medical negligence by not teaching physicians, by not requiring people to know what their patients are using and how it can impact them positively and negatively. And I'm going with the positive. I've had, I had one patient who was being treated for PTSD Cannabis was the only thing that worked for his flashbacks, for his night terrors. It it was phenomenal. He was able to, nothing worked. Benzos, he hated those. He hated, you know, SSRIs or NDRIs. And so we, we had, he had this protocol. He was a medical user. And unfortunately he injured his back and his spine specialist was working with him, prescribed him like two medications. One was Vicodin. He wasn't even taking it except at night as needed it, because it was nerve pain. Right. Because he popped positive on a drug screen. She refused to treat him unless he quit using cannabis. And this is a veteran. This is someone who had significant PTSD, who had favorable outcomes. And these are the, to me, yeah. that's where the negligence comes in. Clinicians negligence are and or ignorance. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a little bit both. Well, if you know that there is a system and you're not taking the time to learn about it and learning about, and I, like in that example, I even sent the visit, I had a call with a physician, I sent articles, name it, but she held on to this old belief that if you use opioids, you know, you can't use opioids with this. We're just inciting more dependence issues. And it was ridiculous. Yeah, it it is really ridiculous. And and I've seen this in my battle in education. I've told this story on my show about trying, we did a a free conference at Navy Pier in Chicago many years ago, about six years ago. And the medical association in Illinois told them they cannot attend. It was four doctors and medical professionals and they were told they they are not allowed to attend. Now fast forward, Illinois is a legal state and they wanna learn. And I know that's happening in New York and other areas too. So we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna get a little uh, sponsorship, paying some of this time, this airtime. And we'll be right back with Dr. Jan Roberts. This is Doc Rob, your concierge of better living here at cannabisradio.com. 
The Concierge for Better Living will continue in a moment. Dazed and Infused. Join sugar industry expert Latham Woodward for a happier hour each week for a lively and often hilarious discussion on the infusion of cannabis into food, beverages, and life. Explore exciting new culinary landscape trends with fascinating friends and guests who are leading the industry into the uncharted mainstream. Discover curated menus, enhanced cocktails, and live tastings. Life's a little sweeter here on Dazed and Infused. Let's check back in with Doc Rob and the concierge for better living only on CannabisRadio.com. And we are back. And if you're just joining us, you've missed a great first segment. Dr. Jan Roberts, clinician, cannabis educator, mover and shaker in the New York City market. I love it. Because we have to make this happen. We were talking before the break about the stigma that's existed for so many years around cannabis. I, I have to say, it's Julian, as I mentioned, this, this presentation right now for doctors I'm working on, it's amazing what I've learned just in a matter of my research. You know, when I look at vitamins, I'm a nutrition guy, I'm a chef, I'm a foodie. You know, I went to the Natural Gourmet Institute in New York, and I love it. And um, But when I look at back at history, I'm like, oh, some of the vitamins that we are so common, the B complexes and things of that nature, were only identified and discovered in the 40s, you know, 1940s, 1930s. (laughs) This is not hundreds and hundreds of years of knowledge that we're, you know, moving forward with. And even it's around that same time that they were, you know, the discovery of other compounds and psychedelics and psilocybin and, and, and all these other things that we were in this age of discovery. And then in the 70s and Nixon just said, no, shut it down, a Controlled Substance Act and made everyone believe that these were the most horrific things on the planet. And now we're seeing this resurgence of all these compounds in their right form. And I want to make this understood that most of the ways you're seeing, especially the psychedelics being brought back into the, into society is through health practitioner guided therapy. And I think that that's really something that people need to hear about and keep learning about is because it's one thing, and it's just, these are safe compounds, but it's one thing to just experiment, but it's another thing to be supported and guided by a professional healthcare practitioner, a mental health expert, someone that can guide you and make sure you're processing these experiences, this awakening of consciousness to, the, to another level. And I really think that's important. I know that's something that you're, I'm sure, on the same page with. Uh, one of the things I want to bring up, because education is so key, and I want to go off this topic, is some just press release that just hit the wire. Um, please share yeah. with this, this new announcement yeah. of, of this little project of yours, which I love. So please share this, this announcement to, the, to my audience. Well, you know, I consider myself someone who will take one for the team. And I really, we need to change the way education is given to our healthcare providers. So uh, my company, um, the Cannabinoid Institute, they, uh, we just recently, t- recently, today we've announced that we are offering 100 scholarships for medical students in the state of New York. We found that medical schools are very afraid to touch this. You know, it, it's fascinating to me that we can, that medical schools have no problem researching um, psychedelics. But again, I still find that the stigma around cannabis prohibits many schools from wanting to even touch this topic. So as a clinician, um, as an educator, it's really important that we provide this to healthcare students. You know, they're going to be the front lines. And so for us, it was very important for us to take a stand. We're really excited that we, I've had several potential, um, 
uh, uh, companies reach out to me about potentially sponsoring minority students or other medical students or other healthcare students. And this is something that we really need to be offering at a large scale whether it's within the education, you know, within the colleges of medicine, nursing and pharmacy and social work and psychology or outside of it through companies like mine. And so for me, it's about, you know, um, really trying to set the tone with how we need to change education and to really provide clinicians and especially new clinicians with the tools they need to be able to help their patients in the best way. Because if, you know, we need to be able to help patients understand there are drug-drug interactions, there are potential downfalls. And, and you know, it, it's so vital uh, for me as a health, especially mental health, when I hear of patients, and I'm kind of going off here though, uh, when I hear of patients taking, whether it's ketamine or other psychedelics, but it's really kind of unassisted. And I've seen some primary care doctors administering these drugs without actually having the experience of how to help someone who's had trauma to unpack all this stuff, you know, it's kind of scary. So we need to create some best practices. We need to create some standards around this. We need to be able to make sure that people have the right education around dosing and, and the pharmacology and pharmacokinetics of all of this stuff. So no, and, and super important. I mean, just as like on me on the product side, there's quality controls, there's safety yep. standards and so that we don't have mold or damage or, or, or mm -hmm. bacteria in the products, things that we don't want that aren't safe. I think the same thing applies where we need to have our our, our healthcare practitioners and our healthcare system be up to date and really aware of what's going on. And I think it's really key. And I, I'm so happy. Kudos to what you're doing there in New York. I think that's <laughs> awesome. As I said, I'm a New Yorker. I love it. I, I kind of, you know, going back there and doing some projects, I'm sure we're going to collaborate as well. Yeah. There's a lot of fun stuff because New York is giving us the opportunity to lead by example, by having mm -hmm. that social equity component to working with underserved areas and getting that done. And, and people often um, you know, I've been a medical director. I work in, you know, in Arizona, which has had had a pretty good medical program for years, kept it consistent, really well mm -hmm. managed, and then went adult use. And everyone thought all of a sudden, well, there goes the medical program. And I'm like, no, it doesn't work that way. Same thing <laughs> in New York. There are still there are genuine people going in looking at this as medicine. They need it for their conditions. They want to talk to doctors that are knowledgeable, that can advise them, or pharmacists even, to understand what's going on with their uh, other their healthcare, and regardless of what they're dealing with. So, I, well, I, you, yeah. and you know, Rob, I was going to say that even in rec states, and I, I like to call it adult use because when you look at the patterns of usage, it's for pain, sleep, stress relief, and anxiety. These yeah. are therapeutic reasons people are using this medication. And like everything, it is important to have that open communication with your clinician. Your doctor needs to know what drugs you're taking because yeah. they don't want to prescribe something that actually might be causing you problems. And so it's really about, you know, we're really at TCI trying to create transparency trying to create open dialogue between the patients and their clinicians. And the only way we're going to do this is through education. Clinicians need to understand this research I did at NYU. I, I found out that like physicians who never used cannabis before are so much more fearful of it. They tend to really think it's going to cause a whole host of problems where clinicians who actually had personal experience with it were like, yeah, it's a good thing. You know, it can be helpful for this. So, so again, it's really about giving real world experience tool that's objective, 
that we're not talking that it's the panacea, but we're also not saying it's just this sin and stigma piece too. Yeah. No, I, and then another factor I'm bringing up is set and setting, you know, and a lot of this people have to understand that, you know, you, we mentioned, you know, this response and, and for me going even to New York and, and smelling cannabis out there, my initial gut response was, Ooh, someone's gonna get in trouble. Where are the cops at? Because <laughs> that's how my whole life that was that your reaction, that's that your anxiety. Yeah. I think a lot of people, even over the last several years, as cannabis became more available, maybe not fully legal, were experimenting back or trying it again and having different effect than what they had when they were in college or when they were experimenting at a younger age. So they need to be able to understand the differences in their physiology, the difference in the, the potency of the product yes. that they're consuming, the effective delivery systems on how your body like from adrenals or how you'll react inflammatory wise. So there's so many little things. And I, I, I love that fact that I have that medical background, but as yep. you said, we have to educate as many people on all levels as possible. I love training my bud tenders yep. and I tell them, my main thing I tell them is do not go outside your scope. If someone right. asks you a question, medical question, then you you are not there to diagnose or treat. That's what a medical director is. That's what their primary care doctor is. That's what I'll give you a list of top experts in the industry to answer their questions. But this mm -hmm. is what I, I really love what you're doing is getting those doctors educated, getting the, the, the resources out there into the community and supporting your community in the way you yeah. can to make cannabis more socially acceptable. Because as we know, alcohol is probably far worse dangerous and more damaging than cannabis is and the more we get this into society we'll see that disparity oh absolutely yeah. well you know i have a lot of patients coming to me um just because of me being in this space and i've seen patients really not know how to regulate themselves so it's important for me to teach self-regulation it's important for me to be able to educate around habituation and how to reduce that opportunity it's important for me also to teach about the different cannabinoids because you wouldn't believe the level or the number for patients who come to me and they're talking about how anxious they are and I'm finding out, well, okay, let me assess, you know, what are you using, blah, blah, blah. And then I get into cannabis and I find out that they're dabbing all the time. And my response honestly, honestly is, well, of course you're anxious. You're using this much THC. We need doing, you know, you might want to consider incorporating other cannabinoids to kind of to mitigate this effect. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. and you know, I, I've seen it even within my own son has done that, you know? And, and so it's really about arming people with the knowledge that they can use these cannabinoids because it, it does help on so many levels for so many different types of conditions, but they have to understand what that means and how to start to regulate themselves so that they can not be paralyzed with increased cortisol and can, and can really kind of start to feel like they're more grounded and oh, yeah. able to kind of benefit from the cannabinoids together. I spoke about the exact same thing on a training recently that I was had a meeting with a 20-year-old he wanted to pitch me a business idea and he brought in his dab rig into the meeting and every 15 minutes he had to go back to the dab rig. And I'm like, this is not a healthy environment for you. This is not, oh, cannabis is safe. I'm like, it is, but you're not using it in a safe way. And with the concentrates yeah. and the potencies that are now being made available in some of these extracts, people have to understand that even as someone that's a big fan of the plant and it's right. cannabinoids, you can still have that responsible concern of where excess Absolutely. could be, you know, damaging or harmful. And we have to be responsible as practitioners to be able to bring that out to the public as much as we can. And, and you know, and, and one other thing I want to say is that, you know, just because we talk about the nuances, just because we talk about the risks, doesn't mean that people are against cannabis. 
I love THC just like everybody else does, right? But I also know that if I take too much THC, it's going to impact me in a certain way. And I would never do that. You know, I've learned to kind of find my right, my right mix. And I have to do the same thing with caffeine. I'm not, I mean, to me, that's a drug that I have to utilize responsibly and in moderation and use where appropriate. And believe me, my wife sees me go for coffee. I am in a, in a bed in the doghouse because I'm not a (laughs) caffeine person. So, but on that note, I'm always hyper. I'm always excited. And this has been so great. We're not going, we're not done yet. We're gonna take one more break. We're going to come back, talk to Dr. Jan Roberts a little bit further, learn a little bit more about how you can learn more about what she's up to. This is Dr. Rob, your concierge to better living on canvas radio. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. The concierge for better living will continue in a moment. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. Let's check back in with Doc Rob and the concierge for better living only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, all right, all right. As we bring this last segment of today's episode down towards the finish line with Dr. Jan Roberts, my guest today, which has been wonderful. We're talking about, you know, this is so great hearing doctors and and health practitioners being so excited about it. I've been, you know, always up against the grain or pushing innovation or being leaders in in different categories and had to take the brunt of it to some degree, which I'm happy to do that, you know. You mean disrupt? I'm a disruptor. Yeah, I like (laughs) to shake it up a little bit, right? Um, But but the reality is, is it's for the right reasons. It's not for self, you know, uh, grandiose kind of positioning. It's really to help the greater good, the people out there. And I've seen cannabis and a lot of these plant medicines do so much benefit to people. And I don't want to limit. I always say in the beginning, you went cannabis is a gateway drug. I call it a gateway herb because it's opened up our conversations to so many other herbal medicines um people are talking about astragalus and ashwagandha like it's everyday thing you hear nyquil now incorporating these herbal formulas into their products and you know essential oils being replacing nasty chemicals and pesticides so this is something that i'm just you know you got to advocate for what you believe in and i know this you know it's, it's just the beginning we see in new york you know talking about mushrooms talking about other therapeutic you know plants uh this is just the beginning of an opportunity, but we want to do it responsibly. We want to make sure people stay healthy and safe. Um, where can people learn more? I know we'll have some links in the show, but where are some of the, what are some of the websites or resources that you want to direct some people to, if you don't mind? Sure. You can always, you know, check me out individually, uh, drjanroberts.com, but with the cannabinoidinstitute.com. Um, we, you know, have all of our health care for physicians, nurses, pharmacists, we provide accredited ACCME credit for people who are practicing to get their credits to learn about cannabis. Uh, It's web-based. It's really informative. We also have dispensary uh, certification programs as well. Uh, We do webinars every now and then. We're also in Spanish. We have a team in Mexico that we're working with that they're working with physicians there. We're really trying to get, so we have the Cannabinoid Institute here in the U.S. We've taught, you know, in South America and Colombia, we've taught physicians. 
you know, it. me and my colleague, Dr. Stacia Woodcock and, um, and myself. So, you know, we're, we're really just trying to set standards for medical education because we find some that we're not very comfortable with and some that's lacking. So we're just trying to ch- change the space and to make sure that we give pragmatic real world experiences about how to utilize cannabis in the most effective and safe way possible. That's great. That's great. And I love the Spanish part. I think it's totally underserved. And I, I, I don't sleep on Puerto Rico, you know, family, hello, yeah. Puerto Rico and all that going on <laughs> down there, you know, but it's really important. And, and the stigmas, we're, we're trying to wash them away and clean them up and replace them with good information. And, and I, I agree with you what you said. I think I'm going to have to open up a retreat up in the Catskills and let health practitioners come up and experience in a safe environment, in a mm-hmm. non-judgmental health practitioner guided environment with organic food. Yeah. Because I see it too. Those that have never experienced yeah. or tried it are a lot more judgmental than those that yeah. actually have had it. Even if they're not into it or didn't enjoy it or don't want to do it, they have that more relationship. And I've seen that with researchers on the PhD level where they look at it as just a widget. They don't even know what it is, but they're just studying it for you know, widget purposes. And I think the same thing with practitioners. I think the more people can experience it, even in a, you know, smaller, safe environment, you know, this implies to all these different therapies from ketamine to psilocybin to cannabis, you name it, do it with a healthcare practitioner, do it in a safe environment, know that you're being cared for, but have the experience and let's see what happens to your mindset and, and, and your, and especially depression, anxiety, and a lot of these things that we're dealing with on a daily basis. I think it's really something we can, you know, make, make our wellness community better on a daily yeah, basis. So. Absolutely. Awesome. Great. It's been really a pleasure, Doc, to have you on the show. We're going to have you come back and keep updated on what's going on in New York and your efforts. I think it's, uh, you know, I'll give you applause and, and props for the, the scholarships and things that you're doing to promote the education thing. I'm, I really appreciate your time today. Thank you for joining us on the show. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. And, you know, again, thank you all for tuning in, listening, sharing, downloading, doing all those things you do out there in the social digital world. Thank you to my producer, Brasco, and the team at Canvas Radio for making this happen. Thank you for everyone for tuning in. And as always, I wish everyone all the best in health and happiness. Take care and be well. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.